Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Rachel Conroy. In this episode, we talk to Amy O'Donnell, Senior Programme Manager, Social Impact at Nominet, about the digital skills gap and what this means for both society as a whole and the not-for-profit sector. We discuss what the digital skills gap looks like in the UK, the importance of tech in having a positive social impact, and why charities need to be thinking more about their own position within digital spaces. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charity through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So here we go. Here's Amy. Um, so today I'm very happy to be joined by Amy O'Donnell. Um, welcome to Charity Chat, Amy. How are you? Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm really looking forward to the week ahead and I've actually got some annual leave plans. So looking forward to that. Oh, lovely. You off anywhere nice? Just Wales with my dog. Very nice. There's nothing not nice about Wales, definitely. So that <laughs> sounds lovely. Um, so yeah, thanks, Amy. It would be great if we could start by you telling the listener a bit about your background and what led you to becoming the Senior Programme Manager um, uh, Social Impact at Nominate. Yes, I'm very excited um, to share a little bit more about that. Um, so I started off my career in human rights. I actually was doing a lot of influencing at the United Nations with minority groups and actually, to be honest, found it incredibly frustrating um, how difficult it was for people from marginalised backgrounds to have their voices heard in such big international fora. So when I saw this opportunity come up with a small startup called Frontline SMS, which was really about turning the humble text message into a two-way dialogue um, that was accessible to anybody, um, and a project in particular looking at radio and how you could make radio a two-way dialogue, I really jumped at the chance and um, really got into the idea that technology and digital is changing the world around us and offering a new catalyst, a new way of people engaging with decision makers and having their say on issues that affect them. Um, And that's what then led me to my onward career in a large international NGO, which started off around sort of digitizing our program work. You know, are there efficiencies that we can build by capturing data through mobile handsets, for example. It was fascinating, this journey I went on, um, eight years with that organisation, really then became about the world around us and how the world around us in a digital world is fundamentally changing from the gig economy to the way that refugees cross borders and represent their identities. So I've always been fascinated at this intersection of technology and how that's changing social justice. Um, And when I saw the role pop up at Nominate, I was just really excited um, to to bridge that opportunity of um, my organisation, Nominate, sitting at the heart of internet infrastructure in the UK, um, keeping the internet connected, inclusive and secure, with a real commitment to public benefit and thinking about Um, what social impact means and how we can contribute to that landscape. And I'm really fascinated in particular in this blurry line between corporate business and philanthropy. Um, 
I'd even argue that maybe pure charity hardly exists anymore. Um, as we go to places, we have to really think about expertise, partnership, collaboration, and for the sustainability of some of these important social justice movements, how we think we look to the private sector um, for that expertise. So I'm really excited in my role at Nominet to be able to work with so many amazing uh, charity partners and that intersection where digital is sort of fundamentally changing the way that they operate. Um, thanks, Amy. You can tell just by that kind of opening gambit how passionate you are about this. So um, really, really happy to hear all of that kind of build up and, and where you are now. Um, it would be great to know a bit about what is the digital skills gap and who do you think this is impacting the most? Yes, yeah, so um, there's lots of ways you can interpret this. But for me, I look to the most re recent statistics, which is there are 870,000 vacancies in the tech industry in the UK at the moment. Um, that's the period between January and May 2022. And this is at a 10-year high. So arguably, we're at a crisis moment. Um, we don't have the pipeline in place that is meeting the demands and the changing nature of that tech industry. So for me, this is about the fact that actually 96% of employers now look for digital skills as part of just everyday running, basic digital skills. Um, and, you know, these things surprise you. You might think of a plumber, for example, but of course, a plumber needs to be able to book their appointments using a digital app. Um, there are, there, digital touches everything. I don't think there is such a thing as digital jobs, digital tech industry, and not actually the lines are really, really blurry. So this is a reality that we have to face. And when it comes to that skills gap, um, I think it's really important to look at then who's making up that pipeline. Um, what is the diversity and what who are the people that are being inspired into um, pathways into these types of careers? So um, one example that I feel very passionately about is that women only hold 17% of tech jobs. Um, so we know that this is a real threat and a real challenge that women aren't being attracted necessarily into these jobs. Now, we know that computer science courses, for example, are increasing in popularity. So we've seen a 20% increase in the accepted applications, but still the numbers are low. So for me, answering this problem of both the essential services that people need to survive in the workplace and those advanced skills that make up that pipeline for advanced digital skills in tech companies, we have to look at diversity. We have to look at challenging the homogenous nature of that pipeline and think about, you know, how can we attract that vibrancy and creativity from different areas into that? For me, that is really important too, not just because of the kind of social mobility dimensions, namely a job in tech is well paid and it could offer an opportunity from, for someone that might otherwise not consider it or might not otherwise be um, per perceiving themselves as capable of, of a digital job. But actually, the people who design technology are the ones that then end up uh, attracting the people that use it and um, proximity matters and um, so in many ways I think this this crisis that we see in a skills gap we have to look in context of the diversity of that pipeline and meeting some of that that missing middle um, by really being open to the types of people that might be the future of that jobs market. 
Yeah, that's um, fascinating, Amy. And I think, like you said, there's, I know when I was at school, it wasn't that tech was discouraged amongst um, girls, but it just didn't seem to to attract the same level of girls. And it's good to see that there are some improvements in that particular, um, you know, discrepancy, but there's clearly still a really long way to go. So how are you guys at Nominet working to, to close this digital skills gap and also looking to kind of dehomogenize those people that are coming into the roles as well? Yeah, there's a number of things that we've been getting on with. Uh, it's not easy. And I think, you know, it's it's really crucial that we stress we are on a learning journey and keen to learn from and collaborate with others in, in this space. But I don't think there's a one size fits all. And um, we have to think about different strategies um, as a company and also in our social impact commitments. So I think I'll start there, if that's all right, with social impact to say Definitely. we've got a number of partners in the ch- in the charity sector that we work with and fund um, that look at um, diversifying um, digital skills. So one is Microbit. Now, this is a tiny little microcomputer um, that um, Microbit are keen to get into both primary and secondary schools to lower the barriers for young people that are, are learning digital skills. So, you know, you could imagine there might only be an elite few in school, schools in the UK that have an advanced computer lab and, and have the ability to start themselves off young, learning things like coding. Um, but the beauty of Microbit is it's really affordable. Um, we're granting Microbits to get into primary schools. We've just uh, partnered with Microbit and the Scottish government reaching uh, 57,000 Microbits into primary schools in Scotland. Um, and what it does then is just offers that tangible opportunity to see what it takes to turn a light on and off, run a run a temperature sensor, even run um, rock, paper, scissors uh, as, a, as a game. And they've also seen some really interesting gendered dimensions there where actually having something physical to interact with, it really appeals to, to girls um, in schools. Um, not least that they tie it also to curriculums which cover more aspirational topics. So things like digital to what end? Is it for the environment, for example? Can you use digital to monitor te- the temperature of the world around you? Or do, um, are there are there curriculum related activities you could do in pursuit of um, subjects that you, you care about? So I'm really interested in, in the role that Microbit is playing in sort of lowering that age entry point um, and and showing that uh, computing skills really are accessible and currently now in 87% of secondary schools in the UK, which is great. Another um, social impact project that we've been looking at is in our partnership with the Scouts. I'm a girl guide leader myself, so I'm very uh, keen on youth movements and the way that youth movements can be an awesome complement to the formalities of school. Um, And with the Scouts, we actually have a digital citizenship badge. So this is going beyond coding and hard software engineering to actually say, well, how are we citizens of this world around us? If we are seeing fake news on the internet, what are some of the skills we need to react to that? Um, if we're a bystander to something like bullying, um, 
you know, what what options do we have to keep ourselves safe or stand up for the people around us? Um, and we've got particular activities there around Safer Internet Day, which happens in February every year, um, to really look at online safety. So um think that that movement with the scouts it, it's a, a fantastic way of showing young people that there's more to digital skills than just the kind of basic coding um, beyond that we've got initiatives also um, to inspire young people into digital careers um, this is how is our podcast and platform that we run with Liberty um, which where you can actually do a quiz and we've seen young people actually be inspired by different role models who appear on the podcast fill out a quiz and then be offered options about different digital careers they could pursue and we know of some young people that have even changed their mind from accounting into um, tech careers um, and we also work with the Prince's Trust um, who are an amazing organisation that look at supporting young people on into those onward careers recognising that actually a lot of it is about confidence over capability and having that support infrastructure in place is really important. Um, if you don't mind me also then just touching on some of the things we do sort of as an employer. I um, definitely at, don't at mind. Nominate. Please, please go ahead, Amy. <laughs> this is all fascinating stuff. So, yeah, I, you know, as a as a public benefit company, it's important this runs through our DNA um, that we that we do look at other areas of, of work as well beyond sort of that that social impact with young people. So we have a partnership with O1 Founders. So we're founding partners of, of, of this coding school that supports young people with digital skills and actually guarantees them a job at the end. We're also part of the, uh, the government apprenticeship levy. So as a tech employer, um, we've got commitments to actually looking at our own diversity, our own talent pipeline and how we support um, people who are early entry into digital careers. So um, although we know we've, we've, we could do more, of, of 289 staff at Nominet, we've got four current apprenticeships at the moment that are active, which is a really exciting. Um, and given that we do sit at the heart of the internet, these are actually quite advanced in uh, security analysts and DevOps. So um, really exciting things that we're doing at Nominet as well to embrace this as, as a member of uh, the digital economy as, and as a digital employer. Great, thanks, Amy. And all those kind of partnerships you went through really show that you're going right from primary school age kind of getting the kids young but also if you look at the work of the Prince's Trust who whilst they do start in those kind of later school years they obviously go right into kind of up to that 25 30 to make sure that people are unemployed so it's amazing the kind of breadth that you're doing to get everyone at those points and making sure that you know no one's missed in the interim as well um, and I think you're totally right about almost practicing what you preach as a company I in my um, when I'm not not hosting podcasts my day-to-day -day role is um, in in corporate partnerships and you know more and more we're seeing that um, it's not just that the outward facing work needs to needs to be there it needs to match up what you're doing as an employer and otherwise that kind of authenticity isn't there so it's great to see that that's coming through at um, Nominate as well. Thank, thank you for that. Um, and then if we kind of come back and think, you've talked a bit about the partnerships you work with and, you know, there's a lot of not-for-profits you're working with there in terms of directly helping the young people. But what impact do you think it could have on the charity sector as employers if, if they choose to ignore the digital skills gap? Yeah, I think this comes down to a question of equity. So um, I think that 
the the potential that digital has to actually exacerbate inequalities in our world is huge. So in my work in the charity sector in the past, we had a program which was about, which was celebrated because 200,000 people were texting in a month their opinions on the kind of topical issues of the age. Um, and when they did research, they actually found that um, of those people, the majority were already wealthy urban males. Um, so there was a demographic that was already almost already being listened to. So for me, I think that that, that charities need to think about this as an issue of power and one of who is listened to um, and then think about the ways that digital crosscuts everything they do um, in, in their world. So I think and it's an unfortunate thing in, in, in some respects that charities are often um, uh, put into a position where digital as, as part of their work becomes a back office thing. It's something that they have to fund from from restrict uh, unrestricted um, funding pots. It's very difficult to get standalone grants that just will say we'll help with your digital infrastructure. Um, and in the other thing is, um, from my experience in charity, is that kind of way in which charities are set up in the funding climate to be competitive or to show something that's different or unique or innovative when actually a lot of the digital skills and the digital competencies we're talking about need to be really core around for example being data driven and building you know privacy by design into some of your engagement strategies and your social media strategies so for me I think that um the, the impact that, that this could have if charities don't take it seriously is one of potentially leaving people behind, particularly given the audiences that they're speaking to, and one of um, investing in the wrong places where it may be possible to open up spaces for collaboration, to jointly look at infrastructure in charity as something that, that we could could potentially be brokering better partnerships with the private sector, for example, to come up with joint solutions that almost allow all boats to rise. Um, and so I think um, to to maintain that that competitive edge that charities so so much need, um, being able to then focus your efforts not just on digital as that back end, but how it can be a catalyst for transforming how you do things. Um, I think is is a really exciting prospect and one that leaders leaders within charities need to get their heads around that that potential for this to be radically different. I'll give you an example that actually um, one of the charities we worked with, the CEO said um, they were presented with um, uh, an amazing data dashboard, giving them insights into who's who's engaging with the service, how powerful is it, what feedback are they giving, is it working out for those people, um, and actually being evidence-driven in how they make judgments and listen um, to, to those communities that are, are engaging with them. And this CEO said, I've actually cancelled my Netflix because I am so interested in finding out and spending my time instead looking at this dashboard because it's so crucial to actually, rather than making um, vague judgments, to really, really listen um, to what's going on and, and respond effectively to our uh, intended audiences. Great. Thanks, Amy. Um, examples are always great on this podcast. So it's, yeah, it's 
good to hear the theory, but also see that in practice, hear that in practice, I should say, as well. So thanks for that. And I think one of the key themes that's come out there in what, what charities can do as well is, is one that's come up through the podcast, is all around partnerships and how we can be working together. And like you said, this this gap is so vast that there's not one organization or one sector that can kind of do it alone and how do you go out and seek those partnerships I think is is really going to be key for any charities that are looking to invest more in um, their own digital skills gap as well um well thank you so what do you think is there anything that we haven't discussed yet that you think um the not-for-profit sector can do to improve the digital skills gap themselves Yes, yeah, so um, we've actually been doing quite a lot of research um, into the digital skills gap as well. So we've got a partnership with Catch22. Um, and what's quite interesting there is the research on the barriers to digital skills focused um, us our thinking as a shift away from just looking at the demographics of who is missing out, like is it women, is it people in low participation backgrounds, to really think about things like poverty and systemic issues of um, do you have the physical space around you? Um, are you care experienced? Maybe you have uh, you uh, neurodiverse. And the ways in which we can look at um, leveling the playing field by tailoring approaches to those groups rather than assuming that it's going to be a one-size-fits-all. So we've seen, for example, how electricity can even be a barrier to people using laptops at home, um, borrowing computers at work because they've had to switch off the Wi-Fi in a cost-of-living crisis. Um, so I think there are really exciting new partnerships with, for example, um, the Good Things Foundation, who have a, almost like a Trussell Trust food bank, but for data, um, which is about saying, how can we actually look at this um, this crisis where there is an inequality for people living in poverty uh, and make things like connectivity uh, much more accessible? Or another programme we have is a project called Backpack uh, with Bernardo's, um, which is really equipping um, professionals who work with young people with the skills and resources they need to respond when they encounter a young person who's experienced some kind of digital harm or some kind of digital risk. It might be financial or it might be um, something that they've experienced that's been upsetting or some kind of relationship that they've got into online. So I think all these kind of partnerships are really indicating ways that that we as the charity sector are plugging the gap where maybe formal institutions may be failing. Um, we know, for example, from our Digital Youth Index that half of young people are teaching themselves digital skills. So we know that there needs to be different strategies to, to fill that gap. Um, and I think just being able to collectively look across and say there are different strategies, there are different ways that we can um, build that confidence of young people from that early age um, and, and and partner effectively so that they're ready um, for the jobs market and to have a really safe opportunity to harness and reap the rewards of the digital revolution. Um, I think that we these are the things we need to focus on to set ourselves up for the future of work. Yeah, that all couldn't, um, couldn't agree more with everything you said there, Amy. And um, as you said, with the kind of you know winter that's coming potentially and cost of living going up, there needs to be ways to think about those who don't have as readily access to data, to electricity, what can be do done to make sure that that still is consistent so that the gap doesn't kind of 
get even bigger if there's time lost in that as well. So I think that's a really interesting point to come across as well. Um, well, Amy, it just leaves me now to say thank you very much um, for joining me today. As I said from, from the off, you can just tell you're, you're so passionate about this. And I think I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot too. So thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. Big thank you to Amy there for sharing her expertise in this fascinating topic that we all need to be thinking more about. In today's episode, we learned exactly just how vast the digital skills gap is in the UK and how dehomogenizing the sector is vital as a diversity in roles will ensure this pipeline is filled. There was discussion on why partnerships are key when it comes to having a social impact through tech. One key area to think more about are how the systemic issues of poverty can prevent entry and how the continuing cost of living crisis risks making this even worse. Charities need to think about power and who is listened to and how digital cross cuts into their world. Unfortunately, digital skills risk becoming a back office service in the not-for-profit sector, especially as it is difficult to secure standalone grants to fund digital infrastructure. However, if charities don't take sex seriously, this could potentially leave people behind and miss vital opportunities. So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to listen to Charity Chat. I would love to hear more of your thoughts on this episode and how you feel the sector can be um, doing better in digital. Find us on Twitter or LinkedIn, or you can share your thoughts via email on charitychatpodcast at gmail.com. It is just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good through their fundraising platform. They offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. I'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Askamit for our beautiful website, check it out at charitychat.org.uk, Forest of Falls for playing throughout the show and for playing as now. I've been your host, Rachel Conroy. Thank you again for listening.